Dave, you and a team from City Server just back from Ukraine, and you did a lot to help people there, and this included a whole lot of food, I understand. Uh, yes, Richard. Uh, first of all, great to be on your show, and thank you for covering our work in Ukraine. Yes, uh, we first hosted about 100 leaders in Warsaw, pastors, spouses, to encourage them, give them a respite. As you know, many of them have been serving on the front lines now for a year. And then our team traveled into Ukraine, uh, first stopping in Bucha, uh, where you have the, the mass graves, which was an absolute heartbreak. But in the midst of that, we were able to distribute uh, hundreds of thousands of meals through the local churches there uh, to these families in need. And it, it was so striking to see literally hundreds of people arriving an hour before the distribution was announced. Where does the food come from? Is it prepared locally? Is it something you bring in? A combination of food, hot food, uh, that we produce right there in Ukraine, uh, but also we partner with No Child Hungry, and that is prepackaged food that is produced in the United States. Uh, the first million meals, we were able to pack that at City of Destiny. Ivanka Trump uh, paid for it, and UPS delivered it uh, for us at no cost. This uh, past week, it was our second million meals, and then we have another million meals that is in the pipeline that was packed by Grand Canyon University, and that's going to be distributed over the next month. And I also understand that you've been able to supply some, some badly needed generators. It's really light or death uh, for many of these churches and families right now. Uh, as you know, it's a harsh winter, and many of these people are shivering in the dark. And so we've been able to provide these life-giving generators for churches, individuals, and these churches have become literal lighthouses. And if I can give an example of that, we traveled into Kherson, uh, which you know was occupied by the Russians just a few months ago, and we were there with the church uh, during the service. They were worshiping. Uh, we had placed generators there. And as I was speaking to the church, encouraging them, you could hear the bombs dropping outside. And so these generators are turning these churches, as I mentioned, into lighthouses, but also places of refuge. And you're also looking at uh, something called the Family Trauma Center being set up in Kiev. Tell us about that, Dave. Uh, we're working with 1,800 churches uh, throughout Ukraine. And during our listening tour of the bishops and pastors, they said one of the greatest needs is to deal with the trauma. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of young women uh, that are now widows, and many don't even know if their husbands are still alive. Uh, but you also have uh, the elderly uh, that are traumatized, and then military that have PTSD. And so we are, first of all, putting on a trauma conference in August, and we will have leaders, pastors from all over the region that will come. We're going to train them in trauma counseling and care. But in addition to that, we're adding to that two days where we are going to minister to these widows, the elderly, and the military. 
And so this will be in August with the help of leaders like Troy DeHone, who was the executive producer of God's Not Dead, and Willie Robertson of Duck Dynasty. We're going to be building a family trauma center in Kiev uh, that is going to help hundreds of thousands of these people that are suffering from the trauma. That is something to look forward to. And I also saw that there's a project involving something called a C-train, a C-train housing. What's that? These are C-train prefabbed homes uh, that we are able to move into really any vacant lot uh, throughout Ukraine. Uh, they're mobile, and they come with all the amenities. And you would not believe the stories we have heard of these families that perhaps have come from the Donbass region. They've lost everything. They barely escaped with their lives, and now we're able to provide for them just $20,000. One of these nice prefab homes has heat, electricity, all the amenities, and so we dedicated five of those C-Train homes on this past trip, and what a celebration. And to see these families, they're so grateful, so grateful, and, and as I interviewed many of them, they broke down in tears knowing that they now had a safe home uh, for their kids. And with the people you met personally, what was the mood? Uh, is there a sense of optimism uh, toward the future, or, or do you sense that in the background it's like still sort of a sense of maybe hopelessness? What? How would you put your finger on that? It's a great question, Richard. I had one pastor say, that we have shed more tears than at any other time in our lives. It's very dark and desperate. But at the same time, Jesus has been building his church, and these churches are thriving. Uh, these pastors are brave. They refuse to give up their church. They refuse to leave. And as a result, uh, you are seeing uh, thousands of people that are convening in these churches uh, worshiping. They have hope. They're believing that this war will end, uh, but ultimately that God is in control. He has not left them. Uh, it is his church. They are his people, and he is going to protect them. So uh, there's a lot of optimism and hope in the midst of so much darkness. And I sense that, uh, that, that you're concerned, and a lot of others, that since the war has been going on for over a year now, that People may get fatigued. Governments may get fatigued of helping Ukraine, and maybe people have been getting tired of praying about it. Is, is there a concern there? It's one of my chief concerns, frankly. I, I call it compassion fatigue. This war, as you mentioned, has been going on for a year. And so if we're not careful, those figures that race across the screen, those sorry figures will no longer move us to pray and to give. And I believe that's one of the greatest threats to these people is that we are no longer praying for them. We're no longer giving to support like generators and food and even our transportation system, which is needed to evacuate women, children, and the elderly out of harm's way. I would say though, the second concern is that there are a lot of conspiracies that are floating around from well-meaning people that are people that are that are calling balls and strikes from outside the stadium. And I can tell you that I've been there now four times 
in the midst of this war, this battle with the leaders, with the pastors, the churches, and the funds that are going into the government and the military of Ukraine's not getting to these churches. So if we don't support them, these churches will close. Conversely, if we do support these churches, I believe we're going to see one of the greatest revivals in Ukraine, and then it's going to spill out over into Europe. But we got to be really careful that we don't get caught up in this political bantering and, and forget why uh, the church and why Christians so, are so desperately right, needed right now to pray, you know, and to give. What is the best way for a person who might be listening right now or reading to support the church in Ukraine? Well, first of all, is through prayer. We know that, as it says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that it's prayer is a key to really healing our lands, including Ukraine. Secondly, is to give, and our website is cityserve.us, and we have a lot of stories. You'll see all the different projects and ways that you can give, and we will multiply every dollar uh, to help these people uh, in Ukraine. Uh, but right now, that's our greatest need. It is prayer, uh, but also the generosity of Christians across America. Dave, as you traveled around Ukraine and, and saw what had taken place, how did it affect your, your heart as a, as a Christian? Very difficult. You know, for example, when you go to Buch and you see these mass graves, you know, where there are hundreds buried, and you hear from pastors where Russians were stationed up in, up in the apartments and they they would kill anybody that tried to recover the bodies of their loved ones. In Kharasan, it was heartbreaking to interview the pastor's son who was abducted by the Russians and held in custody for three months and tortured. It's a heartbreaker when you, you talk with women that have been raped by the Russian soldiers. And so on one hand, it's, God, why have you allowed this to happen? But on the other hand, you see how he's using it. He's using this suffering to raise up his church, to bring revival to these cities. And greater is he, greater is he that's in us and in his church than he that's in this world. And to see that firsthand amidst the snipers, the bombs, and all of the risk, uh, it just it raises your faith in a God that ultimately is in control. The enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life, and he is giving life in Ukraine. This is a, a theoretical, it's not impossible necessarily. If you had the opportunity to sit at a table, maybe a long table, face-to-face -face with, with Vladimir Putin, what would you say to him? Repent, repent, fall on your knees and, and repent. It's your only hope. And the second is I would convey to him what I've seen and how he is delusional, thinking that he is a liberator. He's not a liberator. He's a murderer. He's a rapist. He's a... He's somebody who is destroying, trying to destroy Ukraine. How do you liberate a country that you're virtually destroying city after city? 
And so he's delusional and he's being used. He's being used by Satan, to, as I mentioned, to rob, steal, and destroy. And if he doesn't repent, uh, his day is coming and it's coming soon. And for people who may not be familiar with CityServe, what you do and where you are, give us a, a nutshell version. CityServe exists to equip and resource a local church to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ from its neighborhoods to its nations. Uh, we do that through what's called gifts in kind. Uh, so that's everything from home furnishings to clothing, school supplies, you name it. We get that through major companies like Amazon, Costco. And last year, we distributed over $500 million worth of this product through local churches to meet the needs of our neighbors, uh, but also to use that as a tool to build a relationship with them and to share with them the love and compassion of Jesus Christ and to really work with them on finding a good, healthy church uh, where they can be discipled. Secondly, uh, we are uh, also resourcing churches in other ways uh, by going after funds, donations from foundations, even from government. Uh, we, we believe that the money that the government has, it's our tax dollars, and ultimately it's God's money, and so we are unashamedly going after those funds, and we're channeling those funds into church-based compassion programs. Third, collaborations, and we're building community collaborations, uh, frankly, around the world, bringing the church together, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's unity, and we're seeing unity of the church as it relates to winning the lost, making disciples, but also practicing Matthew 25, uh, helping people that are in need, that are suffering, like in Ukraine. When did CityServe actually get going, and, and what was the, the rationale behind it? It's uh, only, only started in 2017, so God's really blessed it, you know, in, in, in a myriad of ways. But for me personally, it was born out of a tragedy. Uh, when I was nine years of age, my dad was a pastor, and one night, one hot summer evening, he and my mom were driving down the freeway. A drunk driver slid across the divide, hit their car head-on, uh, killing my dad and debilitating my mom for life. And in the midst of that, uh, people heard our cries, and they provided food, clothing, shelter, uh, but most importantly, hope in Jesus, that we were going to make it, and that he was a father to the fatherless. And so years later, my brothers and I started an organization called Convoy of Hope uh, that has been used around the world. Uh, but then in 2017, I wanted to develop an organization with others uh, to really get granular, if you will, grassroots, and helping that church deal with the everyday disasters and the brokenness in its community. And it's like if you cut your arm, uh, the white blood cells rush to that infection. And we want every church to be equipped and resourced to, to race, to deal with the, the infections, the decay in our communities. And that's only going to happen through Jesus Christ, but also through programs that are proven, that are successful, uh, that can really help people move from dependency to sustainability. All right, Dave, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. Thank you. 
Thank you. A pleasure to be on.